Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Thank you, Scott. I uh, loved coaching his daughter and that team, and uh, your new provost has really grown. I haven't seen him kicked out of a girls' softball game in years, and so he's done a great job at that. Um, and uh, love Scott. I love this seminary. It is a joy and an honor to be back here. Um, this is one of the, this is a place where my wife and I would say that some of our fondest memories and some of the most pivotal moments in our lives happen right here at this campus. I love your president, Dr. Aiken. He is like a dad to me. Um, he's somebody who always speaks into my life. He's encouraging me and he's always encouraging me, especially in my marriage. He does that by reminding me almost every conversation by saying to me, if you do anything to hurt Ashley, I'll kill you. And um, I believe him. And so I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful to see uh, so many former uh, professors of mine uh, who are here, who I now consider uh, dear friends and brothers in Christ. And they would all unanimously agree, though, that Ashley was the truer and greater student. And all of Southeastern Seminary professors said, amen. Um, Listen, your state convention is here to be with and for you. We are a movement of churches on mission together. And I don't stand before you to be a Baptist bureaucrat. I stand before you as to be somebody that wants to help walk alongside you in your journey and how God's ever, he's going to use you, whether that's a pastor, a disciple maker, a leader, a missionary, a church planner, revitalizer, or maybe just simply living out the gospel and whatever he has called you to do, we are here with and for you. And so right uh, about noon today, we're going to go to Southeastern's um, own Disney ride, the Hall of Presidents. And we're going to have some free pizza where we want to sit down with you and talk about how we can do that. And so some of your state convention staff, myself, and the unveiling of the Dr. Aiken animatronic will be in the Hall of Presidents um, a little bit later today where we will do some of that. This is an exciting time of the year. I don't know about you, but I love fall. Football is back. Some of you got the pumpkin candles out. Your beloved Georgia Bulldogs are 1-0 and back-to-back champions. But I also know that this can be the time of the year that a lot of stress can just start to pile on. Like schedules just start going wild. Um, The newness of the semester is off. Like you're kind of excited that first week or two, and now you're in week three, and all of a sudden um, you find yourself behind in readings. You got a test coming up, a paper due. And I just want to remind you and me this morning from God's word that I just believe that our God reigns even in the groanings of life. Because I think if we're all really honest, we all have those groanings that we maybe woke up with this morning. Maybe it's a wayward child or grandchild. Maybe it's financial difficulties or Maybe a doctor's diagnosis or maybe financial issues. Maybe it's something that's just a a pain from childhood that you just can't seem to find that freedom of. Or maybe it's some sin that you simply can't shake and you feel like maybe God's just abandoned you. We're going to look this morning at what I believe is the most incredible promise of God found in anywhere in Scripture. 
One simple verse. And here's how I think of it. Because I don't want in an academic and theological setting for us to miss what our God is trying to do. Ashley and I have three kids, as Scott said, that uh, 13, 12, and 9. And we love the summer. We are like outdoors, summer people. We are at the water, whether it's the river or the lake or the pool. And a few weeks ago, we were leaving the pool. And after I had sold my nine-year-old that he forgot his towel, goggles, shoes, and shirt at the pool, he's getting back in the car. And I said to him, hey, make sure you sit on your towel. And he promptly sat right down without his towel. Then, of course, like any good dad, I get upset with him, and then he immediately says, oh, but dad, it's dry. So we get home, and he gets out, and I asked him to change, and I said, bring me your swimsuit. And he brings me his swimsuit, and I said, I want to show you something, son. And he said, what's that? And I said, this isn't dry. And he said, yes, it is. And I said, watch this. And I took that little, you know, blue bathing suit with the little sharks on it, and I turned it like this, and water starts to come out. He kind of looks there, and, you know, I use the dag technique of shame like any good dad does. And I said, here, you now hold this. And he takes it. And I said, I want you to squeeze it real tight. And he says, I can't because he's a third born. And I said, no, you can. I said, squeeze this. And he starts squeezing it, and drops of water comes out. And he hands it back, and I said, son, do you want to see something really amazing? I said, we're going to squeeze it one more time. See, that water keeps coming out, and that's the way I think of this verse right here, is because even though you've probably studied it and read it, it's probably even on a coffee mug, I believe that this morning what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life, I really believe this, and I pray in yours, is to get every drop of this verse out as we start a new week, as we start a new semester. Romans 8.28 says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We know. Paul knew. Paul knew pain and suffering all too well. Y'all, he was rejected, he was beaten, he was stoned not once but twice, shipwrecked, And then the fear of all fear for me, he was not only bitten by a snake, but it hung on to him. And he says that he knows that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. He actually starts this passage, if you look up, scroll up in your Bible, it says in verse 8, in chapter 8, verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. If you underline things in your Bible or highlight things, I, I highlight the word suffering. We have a God that knows that suffering is going to come. Now, if you're like me and can be really real on this and not hyper spiritual, I hate suffering. Like, I hate it. I don't even want to tell you what our power bill is because we cannot stand to be hot at night. Like, I hate suffering. But we have a God who not only acknowledges it, but he provides comfort in that suffering. So whether it's sickness, rejection, uncertainty, mental health, wayward children, disappointment in ministry, demonic dividers in your church, 
racial injustice, or let's just be honest, a totally upside down, backward culture that we live in, all of these things can tend to weigh us down. If you don't believe me, for 14 seconds, go on Twitter. All of these things just weigh us down, but here we see that these present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that we're going to have in Christ Jesus. I think about it another way is, y'all, I am the most, I am the least mechanically inclined person you have ever met in your entire life. I'm like the guy that when the light bulb goes out in the house and I change the light bulb, I'm like, honey, I fixed the light. There could be a steam engine under my car hood right now and I wouldn't know the difference. And if I got in my car this afternoon and I started leaving and all of a sudden um, my car broke down, I would just be praising God for AAA because I really wouldn't know what to do. Now, here's the difference. If I was hopping in my car and it broke down and I was on my way to go pick up like a $300 million lottery ticket, we're at Southeastern, a $300 million inheritance, if I was on my way to go pick that up, well, then all of a sudden, I wouldn't be that distraught about it. I'd be skipping down the road. And that's what Paul is saying here. Verse 19, for the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subject to, to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself would also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Listen, if misery loves company, we got a lot of it. Because all of creation is groaning. It's not just us. We know that there's something that just isn't right. You come to faith in Christ and you sense that newness that you have and that, that certain things are gone away, but you still in your soul, you just know that something is not, still not the way it's supposed to be. Listen, that's because when Adam sinned, it wasn't simply the academic separation between us and God, but all creation was cursed. The ground was cursed. Disease affected animals and birds. Rivers flood. Fires rage, hurricanes we saw last week decimate, cats become pets. There's a humidity that's so thick that you need a shower right when you step out of the house. And that's because all of creation is groaning in the same way. We know that something's not right, but thankfully the Spirit speaks to us. He groans not only, he groans with us identifying our pain, this morning, think about whatever pain that you walked in here with, think about this, the God of the universe, the great I am, the one that is and was and is to come, he identifies with this. He not only identifies this in a real emotion, but he gives us wisdom. It says here in this passage that when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to ask for, God knows. Many of you in this room often will text me that you're praying for me, and I'm grateful for that. I love when my kids, they were getting out of the car this morning, they said, Dad, I'm going to pray for you today. I love when my wife prays for me, but you know what's even more special than when your friends and your family pray for you? To know that the Spirit of the living God who has sealed you for all eternity, you never have to ask Him to be with you because He promised never to leave or forsake you. He is praying for you. 
in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, I believe for us this morning in that one verse that there are some droplets of grace that we can wring out. That maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time we can see. If you take notes, I wrote this down. Number one, this is something promised. This is something promised. We know, we know it's a certainty, not for what I hope for, but what we know, that God is working all things together. It's the promise of God. It's the comfort in his promises that our lives, when we're from maybe not this day, but when we get there to that great day, we're going to be able to see how God was working all things out for good. We know that. I think about it this way. I had a, the privilege of being a missions pastor at a church, and I would travel the world and see God working in some really dark places in this one country in Central Asia. There was great persecution to the church, especially for our sisters. And these sisters had come up with a business where they would make rugs, I mean like fine Afghan rugs. And they were going to take us to this place to see this working. And when you first walked in there and you'd see these big looms, I mean they were taller than me, and you would see these, it looked like art that I would do. It was just really ratty. I mean strings were hanging down and there were things coming and it just looked, to be honest with you, it looked ugly. But then they, they could turn this loom around, and on the back side was the most beautiful tapestry you had ever seen. That's what God is working in and through our lives, is that we know, we know, we have a promise that today that God is working every finite detail of our lives. He's working them out for good. But not just his promise, the second thing, that it is far-reaching. It doesn't say some things or most things, but all things. God is working all things. And I love the fact that God cares even for the sparrow when he falls from the nest. How much greater does he care for you and for me? Charles Spurgeon often said that in any given second, God is doing 10,000 things in our lives. And we might know about one or two. And we can look and see that God cares for us even in the small, minute details of our lives. We can do that when we look to the cross. We see the love of Jesus Christ poured out for us in the outstretched arms when he paid the debt of our sin. It's promised. It's far-reaching. I couldn't think of a good word for this, so I just said, you know what? It's a confluence. It's a confluence of all the different streams of our lives coming together. I love river fishing. Like, not just fishing. I love fishing on rivers. I love the moving water that even if I'm not catching something, the scenery is always changing. One of the things that's interesting about rivers is you can start out in a stream and the water can be clear. And then you get going down that stream and maybe there's a couple confluences of small creeks. And these creeks will come in, and all of a sudden it will change the water, but you can go further, and as it, that water goes over the silt and the sand and the rocks, that water starts to look different and different. And that's how I believe what we see in this passage is God is using and wringing out every drop of the things that happen in our lives. God is working them together for good. When I'm in this room right now, I am actually thinking about all those little special moments I remember when Ashley and I, we lived in Florida, 
Dr. Aiken invited us to come out and check out this, this school. And I remember we drove up, you know, like in the minivan with the, with, the, with the baby in the back crying the whole way. And we get up here and it was kind of late in the evening and the sun was setting. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I can remember our meetings were like, you know, with the faculty and staff for the next day. But I can remember that night we pulled up, we parked just for fun. I parked in Dr. Aiken's spot. I parked there, we get out. And I remember we walked right over here and we looked out and it was like, it wasn't audible, but it was like, no, let's, let's come here. And to know how that little one moment led to so many other moments that God was working out in our lives, and it all wasn't easy. I can remember friends that I sat next to in class are now dear friends that serve with me and labor with me every single day. God is working in the confluence of our lives to make us predestined to look like the Son, to look like Jesus. That's what he wants for us. That's not pretty because it's always a battle. And those confluences can be ugly, can be painful. But I want to know that the confluence of all the droplets of things of grace in my life, I want them to know that they are making me more like Jesus and helping to make him known. It's not just a promise, it's not just far-reaching, it's not just a confluence, but here's what, here's what we see in this and what God has for us, I believe, this morning. It's reassuring. It's reassuring. Because he says right here, I underline this, it's for good. It's for good. That's for us to look like, live like, and love like Jesus. That's what God wants for us. And Southeastern faculty, friends, when Jesus is your teacher, you can never flunk out. But here's the bad news. You get to take the test over and over and over again. You see, it's not often immediate. In fact, a lot of you might be in that season of life where something really bad has happened to you or maybe your own sin has got you in a spot of great doubt. And right now you're not feeling that reassurance of a holy God. But it's all right. Let me just tell you this. It's not wrong to ask God and cry out, why? We see that with Moses. We see that with Job. We see that with Paul. But we see that we can, cry, we can cry out why in such a way that takes my knowledge of the vein and puts it on the explanation through God that he is working all things out for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We can be reassured that God is the one who's in control. The way I like to say it, I'm glad God is in control and not Todd. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought, every feeling. And he says, you are who I love. Southeastern Seminary, this is what we know. We can know that God is working all things out together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Which means to be the last part, maybe the best. This promise, it's final. It's final. We know that all things work together for the good of those who are called, who love God and who are called according to his purpose because, look in verse 29, for those he foreknew he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Oh boy, there's that P word, predestined. By the way, is that still a thing in seminary campuses? See, Paul, yes, thank you, sister. <laughs> Listen, Paul wasn't writing this here to cause some theological debate. Paul was writing this here as a comfort to and for us. He says, I know that sometimes you're going to feel like you're barely holding on, but rest assured, God is holding on to you. You see, in our groanings, there's amazing grace because God didn't save us by our own righteousness. And here's the great part of this. If he didn't save us because of our righteousness, we don't lose him because of our unrighteousness. It's a final declarative position that God gives us. And I can't stand here today and explain why every bad thing that has happened in your life or every bad thing that will, but I can tell you this. What is sure is what is final is his grace is there with you in his groanings. That's why we can sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not, as as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Because in verse 31, we can go on, and that's how we can say, what can we say about these things? If God is for us, Southeastern, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up as well. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, Southeastern, he's also been raised. And he also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or disease, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. My prayer for us this morning is very simple. I pray that we would ring this truth out in every single one of our lives. That we would keep squeezing on to him, knowing that he always holds on to us. That there is grace in our groanings that he is promised, that he is far-reaching, that's a confluence of every single moment of our lives, that's reassuring, that is for his people, and that is final. And it's why this is a great commission seminary. Because this promise, I believe, is what the world needs now. In fact, this is one of those passages that many doubters and skeptics will look at and say, you know what, this is the, this is the hard problem that I have with Christianity. This is why we must tell others about Jesus. And maybe today, maybe this morning, maybe the thing we need more than studying, more than, um, more than work, more than anything else, maybe we need to remind ourselves today that there's strength for today. 
There's bright hope for tomorrow. Southeastern students, faculty, NC Baptist, friends, family, for all those watching online. When we repent of our sin, when we trust Christ, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father, I know these words academically in my head. Father, most of the time I can even recite them. But Holy Spirit, you who are with us personally and in our midst now, I pray that this is the truth that we would live our lives and it would be marked out by. That, Father, whatever trials and temptations and travesty that might await us, when we feel like, God, we cannot hold on to life, God, I pray that we would be reminded that we are held in the arms of the only arms that matter, and that's you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we go to this day, and from this day to that great day, that, Father, I pray that this is how we would walk, that we wouldn't be hypocrites that simply quoted this verse, but we would live this out in our life. Father, I pray this day that you would show us in a greater way that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray this for the name and fame of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.